Hey everyone, Tim Wright here. Dr. Michael Green is along with me. Michael, how are you doing? Hey, hi everyone. Hi Tim, I'm doing good. This is uh, episode 195 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting, but part two of a series we began in the last episode on resilience. And uh, we're going to chat today about the nurture of resilience and how we can build resiliency in our kids. Uh, Michael, you've got something coming up here in Phoenix that people can attend either here in Phoenix or they can do it virtually. Talk a little bit about what that event is. Yes, this is our annual Gurian Institute summer training. Uh, And if folks go to uh, gurianinstitute.com, then just click it. You'll see it immediately, and you'll click to that page. Tim's speaking there. We have many speakers, more than 20 uh, keynotes and workshops, um, and it's taking place the last weekend of June. But, you know, folks don't have to come on site if they don't want because everything's going to be available for video over a prolonged period after. So uh, you can either do it vir- virtually or you can come to Phoenix Um uh, you know, and we would love to have you involved. This is, if you listen to this podcast, I think you'll love the Summer Institute. Um, it's especially targeted teachers and parents, um, you know, teachers, parents, and counselors. But I, but we have people from all walks of life who come every year and just get so much out of it. So check it out on gurianinstitute.com. See if, see if you'd want to join. Also want to, uh, as always, give a thanks to the Center of Place of Hope. They are our sponsor. They're up in the Seattle area, Dr. Greg Jantz. And if you are looking for some resources or you're just looking for a place that might be helpful for you as you go through some challenges or your family members do, uh, you can go to wonderofparenting.com. Wonderofparenting.com. You'll find a link to the Center of Place of Hope. And we encourage you to check that out. It's also a place where you can uh, drop off some questions to us. And uh, as always, we encourage you to head over to our Facebook page, where right now we are posting uh, extended blog post by Michael on this whole topic of resilience. So you'll want to check those out, go to uh, Facebook and then just do a search for wonder of parenting, hit the join button and we'll get you in as soon as I get the notification. So Michael, last week we talked about the nature of resilience. We talked a little bit about some of the things that sort of, um, uh, impinge on our kids resiliency. Uh, give us again, just a quick definition of resilience and we'll talk about how to nurture it in our kids. Okay, yeah, resilience is an organism's ability to um, uh, to to resist and even you know fight back and recover from challenge, disturbance, adversity. Uh, uh, that that's resilience. Some some people call it grit, which is a great word for it. It's mm. um, it's something that we need to develop in our kids when they're kids, um, uh, so that they will have that resilience especially in the teen years and adulthood when we cannot protect them from challenge and adversity, et cetera. So some of the things we talked about last week, we talked about what's happening in, happening in academia where um, there's this tendency to protect students from ideas that might make them feel uncomfortable. Uh, we talked about uh, maybe intervening too often in the lives of our children rather than allowing them to do some problem solving on their own. Uh, we looked at the impact that screens can have. And um, so today what we want to do is we want to turn our attention now to, all right, these are some of the things happening. Uh, 
we, we mentioned, for example, last week, uh, the fear that many of our kids have lived through the last two years. So, Michael, let's let's talk about let's start big picture. How do we nurture resiliency into our children? What are some systems that we can put in place to help our kids grow up with grit? Okay, uh, a number of things. One is to I did mention to to that there's a resilient spectrum. So some of what I'm going to say here, you have to work even harder at if you've got kids who are lower on the resilience, right. the natural resilience spectrum, which means that they're maybe highly sensitive kids. Um, uh, so just please keep that in mind that what I'm going to say, you may have to you know tweak to fit one of your kids. Um, generally the systems we want in place is, is as it becomes age appropriate, we do want winning and losing systems. So we want everyone to enjoy a sport or we want everyone to enjoy school and enjoy and have fun. That, that's absolutely, absolutely true. But we, but we don't want to cut out um, like game theory, you know, which has winners and losers. And we don't want to cut out competition, uh, which ultimately, you know, in a certain, in some way, everyone wins in a competition if you do it enough times, you know, um, because when you play the same game tomorrow, someone else might win, right? But, but it's the it's the competition, the winning and losing that is really valuable, in development, and this is, you know, this is about giving everyone an award for participating. Okay, when they're three and four years old, great, you know, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. That's wonderful. It, it makes everything fun. But, you know, when they're 10, when they're 12, when they're 13, 15, uh, by then we need to definitely, you know, and of course start a little earlier, uh, getting them in these systems that challenge them. Because because here's um, here's one of the things that I beg people to think about, the psychological immune system. We, um, we have a physical immune system that everyone knows about, and especially with COVID, right? We all have learned mm-hmm. all about it. You have natural immunity, right? Um, which you just have on your genes, you might, but then you get natural immunity because you got COVID, right? And you develop the antibodies. We've learned about that. And then you have acquired immunity, which you get from uh, the vaccines and, and boosters. Right. So so this is what immunity is. Well, that's a physiologic immune system. Um, we have a psychological immune system that is parallel and exactly analogous where where we we develop psychological immunity right to challenge and disturbance um in the same way that we develop antibodies to covid and we need to develop that psychological immune system in our kids over a period of a number of years right we only really have them for 15 or 16 years we're we're able to do this because they kind of start drifting away from us you know Mm -hmm. so so we have a decade to a decade and a half or a little, little more, um, maybe all the way through college, but concentrated, you know, um, from around three or four to say 15, 16, where we're concentrating on developing their psychological immune system. So we have to put them in situations where they're going to fail and succeed, where they're going to win and they're going to lose. So competition systems are really good. It doesn't mean they should be um, bad sports or anything. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that system. And then another nurturing influence is authoritative parenting. So, so if parenting is, if everyone's permissive in the system, uh, passive or permissive parenting, we call it, where where the child is just running the show, you know, whatever the child, you know, and the child will be disrespecting the parents and saying mean things to the parents and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that, that means the parents are not holding authority. And I, as you know, I'm a big believer in at least having bi-strategic parenting, 
even if you have a same-sex couple, it, it's not about that. It's about having two different parenting styles and at least one of them being authoritative, not authoritarian, that's abusive maybe, but authoritative, holding your authority and the child has to push against your authority. Okay, that builds resilience. But when it's passive and permissive, resilience isn't being built because there isn't challenge. The psychological immune system isn't being built. Um, uh, so those are two. And then the third, the third I would say is the non-intervention, um, making sure, study your kids, study your parenting, study the schools, make sure that the kids, uh, sorry, that the system is not intervening. And I'll give an example. When three and four-year-old boys especially them, practice aggression nurturance, which we've talked about before, which is where they do rough and tumble play. They jump on each other. They knock each mm. other down. Maybe one of them cries. It can happen. Um, but that's still aggression nurturance. It's not violence. Very commonly, though, um, are we adults, uh, teachers or parents, intervene in that and, and say, that's not, don't do that. That's not good. Um, and we stop it. But what's really happening is a mutual nurturance of resilience. That's what aggression nurturance does. Rough and tumble play nurtures resilience. Knocking over another kid and he gets up and he knocks you over. And it's it's play. It's play. It's not violent. That builds the psychological immune system because mm -hmm. it's creating this resistance, right? And then this challenge. And then the other one has to get up and meet the challenge. So don't intervene, please, especially in things like aggression nurturance if they become dangerous we got to intervene if they become violent we become intervene but if they're not violent they're not dangerous just realize that they're actually building resilience aggression nurturance builds resilience this podcast is sponsored by skylight frame mother's day is almost here what are you getting her something that shows you care something that makes her feel loved something that won't stress you out something like the skylight frame the Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. I, I want to go back to the uh, the winning-losing uh, competition for a moment. Uh, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, at my grandson's, he's 11 years old. Uh, they were playing for the championship of their um, flag football league. Oh, And um, so I was at the game and they had, they had already won a couple games to get to that point that day. So this was the last game of the day. They were playing the top seeded team that beat them every time. And this top-seeded team, because they were top-seeded, they didn't have to play any games that day, so they were fresh. And, you know, my grandson's team, they were tired. They'd already played two games. And I I was there partly to observe parents in action because I, uh, my time with you now, I just like to watch what's going on. But I was also uh -huh. engaged in the game, and I, I felt like I was at the Super Bowl. Uh -huh. And that, you know, my whole life was on the line, and, and Phoenix's life was on the line. Uh, if he didn't win that ball game and uh, well, they won, 
Uh, oh wow! And uh, yeah, they won. And and so as I watched that play out, uh, you know how excited I, I saw how excited we as parents were, and of course some of us were living vicariously through our kids and grandkids, which we shouldn't do. But then I also looked at the other team, right? And they had lost. Yeah. And you got these 10, 11 year old boys who are just crushed because they lost. But I think both of us would argue for both of them, winning or losing is really, really important to building resilience. What is it in mm-hmm. the moment of loss that we want to teach our kids to build resilience? I think the the smart coach says, this is what I'm, I'm proud of, you know, Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, you did this, this, and this. I'm so proud of that, you know, and then here's where we're going to work to improve. Um, and here's where each of you can work to improve. And we, as a team will work to improve that that's, that's coaching resilience. Um, it, it gives, you know, a nice self-esteem boost because loss mm-hmm. and failure feel bad. There's no right. doubt they feel uncomfortable and bad. So it, it, it just to quiet those feelings. So you can get to the, here's how we'll improve feelings. You know, then you, you got to speak to that as a coach and, and, and help them to start feeling a little better. Um, uh, and then, and then the, the sort of gentle critique starts and, and critique, you know, builds resilience because now the, now also, because now the kids are going, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. We could do that. We could do that because remember, we want to remember what we said last week. Resilience happens as our brain makes choices and then acts based Mm -hmm. on the choices. Um, so the brain of each of the, the brains of each of these boys, you know, are like, I failed. I feel really bad. We suck, you know, all of that stuff. Then they start coming out of that. And they start making a plan, you know, and designing their future where they're going to do it differently. So I think that's the smart coaching. Do a do yeah. a both and. I wonder if uh, we need, and I think you're probably seeing this, we need losses in life once in a while because life is filled with challenges. And if we can learn how to overcome losses, we're building resilience. Yeah, that's what builds the psychological immune system um, and it is the failures. Right. Yes. I mean, that's a large part of what builds those psychological immune systems. And and um, when we protect our kids uh, from from loss and failure, and I want to be age appropriate here. Some of what I'm saying is not going to apply to a two year old, you know, right. Or, or three year old. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to really lean toward, oh, everything's great, you know, and we're going to try to help them to succeed. Right. And we're going to stand right next to them doing the the coloring with them or doing the puzzle with them. So they succeed. Right. So that's a given. But age appropriately, um, uh, failures and losses are crucial to building the psychological immune system. And if we don't, if our kids don't fail, if they don't push up against our authority, if they don't experience loss um, uh, and have to process it and then act, come out the other side and act, um, then our, the psychological immune system is less developed. And we talked, you know, we talked about fear constantly last time, and mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it up again. This is when, and we use the example of kids being basically told that they themselves are, are potential killers, right? They, of COVID. So they became so, they were living in fear constancy. They were told they could not see other people because they could kill their relatives, right? I mean, they were masked all the time and had to isolate and distance because they could kill the other people, right? That's that's two years of fear constancy on them. Mm-hmm. And it means they did not get involved in life experience. And um, 
they the only loss per se that they would be involved in was well they they didn't go to school and they weren't able to have those relationships but that's right. isolation that yes. is not the kind of loss that is going to build resilience uh that's the kind of loss that now we're having we're going to have them in about 2 years to try to make up everything that's gone on with our kids maybe more um uh the kind of losses we want them to experience are the losses where they are engaged with others Mm-hmm. And so they're in a game like your your kids. They're in a game. They win. They lose. They win. They lose. And each time they develop resilience. And a lot of that's because they were engaged and in relationship with. Yeah. The, so the losses that happen when you're isolated, those are not as good for the kids. Yeah. And, and, and part of what I've been hearing you say over these last couple of podcasts is we, we, we sort of created these systems to protect our kids from the bad feelings of loss or the bad feelings of feeling uncomfortable. And when they get out in the real world, there's no one to protect them from that. And so, you know, it's really the challenge for us is not to insulate our kids, but to help them live in a world that where resilience from the inside out helps them uh, find their way through. Um, Another one that you talk about is sacred work. And we've talked about this before, chores and so on, but you got this great example of the the two-year-old who keeps dropping the spoon uh, off onto the floor from his high chair or her height, let's say her high chair. And, um, and mean old Dr. Gurian, you think she has to climb down and pick it up herself. Talk about that. Yes, I was so mean to my kids, uh, yeah. but they did turn out okay. Uh, You're not, yeah. you, uh, can I tell you right away, when you have yeah. grandkids, you'll be on that floor every single right. time picking it up for them. Yeah. Absolutely. I understand. <laughs> I'm using it as a metaphor. You and I both know yep. I, when I talk about it in speeches and so on, I'm using it as a metaphor, but it, it, people will get it. They, they get it yep. and they go, oh yeah, okay, I get that. Because let's see, you have a child. And the child is sitting in the high chair and she, and I had two daughters. So I did this with my daughters. She's sitting in the high chair and, um, and she drops her spoon. I'm going to make her at two years old, right? Not at like eight months. That's too young, but let's say two years old, three years old. She's, she's sitting there. She drops her spoon. Um, one of our natural instincts as, as a parent for a number of reasons, one, cause we're busy. Uh, two, because we want to eat, you know, whatever it is, is I'm going to bend down and pick up that spoon. I'm going to put it back on the high chair for her. And then, you know, she'll keep eating. So my argument is as much as possible, let's, let's undo the high chair, the front of it and have her climb down, pick up the spoon, climb back up. We'll close the high chair again. And then, you know, put the bowl back and she starts eating. So why, what does this have to do with resilience development? Well, a number of things, one purpose. You know, she's, she's got a purpose more than just eating, right? She has to, she has responsibility. She has to get down there. She has to pick up the spoon. And if she's going to eat, which is her purpose, she needs the spoon, right? She has to go get the spoon and come back up. Um, And, you know, I just think that's sort of sacred work. And it's, it's similar to chores, which is a word people don't like, but we all use it. Mm -hmm. It's similar to chores. They, you know, take out the garbage. Okay. My, my daughter did not take out the garbage. It might be easier for me to just, oh, well, you know, I don't want to power struggle. I don't want to do it. I'll go take out the garbage. But I would beg the parents, hold your authority. I would beg the parents to say, wait a minute, that's sacred work. So I'm going to talk to you about that. That's sacred work right there. You're helping your family. Helping your family is sacred. Doing work is sacred. 
um, you need to you need to do that work, and you can't do anything else till you do that work. And I don't really care if you power struggle with me. This is you have one chance. Uh, that's it. You don't do it, then no video games. You know, and very quickly the kids start doing the sacred work. Well, that all that whole process built resilience. And then every time they go take that garbage out, every time they sweep the floor, every time they help uh, mom or dad cook, you know, I mean, be a million things, um, clean out the horse barn, you know, whatever is the sacred work. Every time they do that, they're acting, they're building resilience, they're in relationship, building resilience. So that's why I, I would like us to contextualize just about everything we ask our kids to do that helps ourselves or others as sacred work. And that maybe that context will help them to see it as life purpose, to see it as part of their journey of resilience and purpose. We, di- we didn't get to this point last week, but you you touched on it a little bit in the blog about activities, having a lot of activities that have no purpose to them and how that can lower resilience in our kids. Mm-hmm. Give us Give us an example of being overly busy with activities that don't really create a lot of purpose. Not that everything has to create purpose. Right. We just, sometimes we do things just for the fun of it, but what are some things that, that you're seeing where, man, our kids are busy doing all these things, but they don't really have purpose to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, the kind of activity that has no purpose that is still um, really useful is like being out in nature uh, a walking meditation, a sitting meditation, you know, those things where it appears they don't have a purpose, but they're right. actually not idleness. They're not, they're, um, they're really good for the brain. But the ones, the ones that the kid who, um, uh, I'll use, you know, easy example. I don't like kids playing video games on school nights. I don't, right. I don't think they should, uh, because playing video games for an hour on school nights what often happens we find is that they have they develop more attention span problems especially for schoolwork they don't hand in their schoolwork those are the things that really do have long term purpose um so so the video games example being on tiktok for an hour uh you know i mean one can one can stretch and say well the purpose of that is that i might become a tiktok celebrity later in life and make a living okay too big a stretch that's still that's not an activity that is building the brain and a in a positive, healthy way. So um, I would like kids to be in activities that build the brain in a healthy way and, and to not be in activities, you know, that don't, or if you're in those activities, let it be, you've set aside some time for entertainment. You're doing movie night, you know, um, and I would even argue that moving night, movie night actually has a purpose, which is the bonding of the family. Right. Uh, But the kids sitting, watching something on video for 20 minutes just to wind down. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. I would even argue that has a purpose to wind down so that they can Mm -hmm. go back to, you know, uh, but the, the wasting of time, especially Mm -hmm. with entertainment. Yeah. And, and then we parents feeling like, well, you know, my kid is happy. Look, he's entertained. I've given him a comfortable childhood. Um, and and I, I, I'm keeping him entertained and he's not getting into trouble in some other way. I mean, I get that, but I don't, you know, that's not developing resilience. That's not really good for brain development. And it's not really relational enough and complex enough uh, for good brain development. And so ultimately, when you accumulate two hours a day mm. of, of purposeless activity, 
you know, you're, the child is learning that model for living. And um, that, that is not going to be as resilient a child or as resilient an adult. I think probably most of us adults can understand the purposelessness of screens from time to time, how, how easy it is. I'm going to just check Facebook. And then 30 minutes later, you're still on Facebook. You think, I, I just wasted 30 minutes of my life. I'll never get that back. So we, we kind of know what that's like. Yep. And that happens for our and kids. And I do it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's easy, of course, when, when we're busy, we're working, and our kids just aren't engaged with anything. And they say, can I play the iPad? Well, yes. You know, because we, right. but because it, it can be difficult. And of course, in Gurian's household, they never had time to do that because they're constantly jumping out of their high chairs to pick up their spoons. So, uh, you know, <laughs> or they're doing never... chores five hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're we're getting close here to the the end of our time. Uh, are there a couple other things that you want to bring up in terms of how we can build resilience in our kids? Uh, again, you know, part of that is giving them sacred work to do. Um, it's, uh, getting them out in some kind of competition. It doesn't have to be sports competition. Nope, uh, you know, not. it could be chess club, debate club. It could, you know, whatever, it could even just be fun kind of competitions that, uh, happen. Um, and, um, uh, trying to lower some of the, the fear and pressure. Uh, anything else that comes to mind for you, Michael, that you want to bring up that we haven't chatted about yet? Well, another one is, is, uh, praise, you know, targeted mm. praise. Um, yeah. when we, when we constantly praise kids, mm-hmm. but the, and, and again, let's be age appropriate. I mean, everyone's going to praise a two-year-old, you know, we're always going good job, you know, and that, and that's actually really sweet. We should all keep doing that. Um, but we should also, also realize that, that as the kids get older, you know, they're three, they're four, they're five, they're six. We, we should target our praise and yes. um, we're going to build more resilience when we target our praise. So if we're doing good job as a kind of verbal response, just because that's what we're going to do, that's okay. All right. But then let's titrate it a bit and let's really, really focus on you. Wow. You did that puzzle and, and you did that puzzle in, in, you know, an hour. And last time you did a puzzle like that in 50 minutes, wow, you're getting faster. That's amazing. Um, right? It's targeted praise. It's targeted to action and it's targeted to choice making. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I really like that choice you made and here's why I like that choice you made. Uh, uh, and, and so think of targeting choices and targeting actions and then praising choices and praising actions rather than just blanketly saying good job all the time. And, and if the child really didn't do a good job, then don't praise that child, you know, because here's the thing that parents don't realize this backfires because the kids who have been praised 20 times a day, uh, where it's not targeted, they stop believing it, right? Mm. Because kids are pretty smart and Mm -hmm. they'll get older. Maybe they're five, maybe they're six, maybe they're seven. Whenever it happens, we have lost our credibility, you know, um, because they know. They're being praised and told they're doing a good job, and they know they're actually doing certain things not well. And um, so we kind of lose our credibility. So I think this is a good place for us to hold authority as parents uh, is to target the praise. And I think um, I think in the whole three-family system, um, you know, we talk about the three-family system. What is the safest, uh, 
best structure for raising kids to be successful, to be happy, to be loving, you know, adults and to be resilient. The best system is a three family system. So there's a lot of people involved, um, you know, mom, dad, or it could be two moms, two dads. In other words, the nuclear unit where they're by strategic parenting, where they're not parenting exactly the same way. And then we've got the extended family wraparound. Like you've got your grandkids, your extended mm-hmm. family constantly in relationship with them. Um, but it could be non-blood family uh, if, if grandparents don't live nearby. Uh, but it could be best friends, you know, et cetera, who become like um, grandpa and grandma. And then, and then the third family, which is more institutional, uh, churches, schools, et cetera, in which some of the personnel in the third family actually become like second family. Right. Right. In which individuals become mentors and so on. That three family system provides the scaffolding. And in that free family system, some people are going to praise all the time. They're just going to cut, right? But you've got some people who are not, some people who are going to target the praise. So I would love to see everyone gradually target praise more. Uh, that will build more resilience. But e- even if you're not going to do that, at least have a family structure set up so that there are some people involved who are very close to your kids who target the praise. Mm-hmm. That will help build resilience. As I listen to you talk about that, I wonder if a part of building resilience in our kids is to help our kids discover who they are in terms of what they're good at uh, and what their potential gifts can be. Uh, I think of uh, what I call the American Idol syndrome, where they have all of these contestants coming out thinking they're the next American Idol. And the problem is they can't they can't carry a tune. They they can't sing, but they've been told all their lives, you're the greatest singer uh, God ever placed on this planet and they don't know how to sing. Uh, and so then they're crushed when they go to these auditions versus, um, really identifying, Oh, you, you're really good at this. And, uh, and, and, and you did this thing well, as you're saying, targeted praise so that our kids begin to discover they can't be good at everything, but they're good at some things. And yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And and that, for me, helps build resilience because, okay, I I know I'm not really good at that kind of stuff, but I don't have to worry about that because I'm really good at this stuff. It focuses my life. It gives my life purpose. Yeah, beautifully put. And this is, we've talked about islands of competence in the past. And you're you're hitting on it right there. Um, And and it's coincidental to us doing this today that I just read an article, um, uh, an interview with Rob Thomas, who's in, uh, who's uh, Matchbox 20 right? A a pop group, very successful pop group. And he had an incredibly difficult childhood. I mean, I won't even describe to you far. I I had a weird childhood. His was Mm -hmm. even, even more difficult, I think, uh, with all sorts of loss and abuse and, and all sorts of stuff. And he, he even says in this article, he says, you know, the thing that kept me going is I discovered music and this mentor helped me discover music. And he describes that mentor, um, helped him discover music. And then that was it. And that was his island of competence. And, yeah. and that is so important for parents in terms of resilience development and many other things that when we put our kids in 10 activities and when we tell our kids they can be good at everything, we're, we're making a couple of mistakes, one that you defined, and also we're putting them in too many activities. Mm-hmm. We really should be 
keeping them in the two or three activities that are their islands of competence. Yeah. And and the reason for that is that they, yeah, they'll face losses and fail and not do it as well and all that, but they're in their island of competence. So they're going to keep plugging away and they're going to keep getting better. And each time they do that, right, they're making a choice. They're making an internal choice around emotions and they're making an external choice around actions. And each of those choices builds resilience. So the island of competence um, which you can't know when your child is two, of course, or maybe not five, but you know, you, you can right. see things. Some kids are very physical. Okay. We'll put them in that. Some kids are very musical. So you're gradually figuring it out and then you're putting them in those islands of competence and some of the resilience development now can happen just so organically, yeah. uh, like it did for Rob Thomas, who basically saved himself and became a resilient adult via his island of competence. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, Michael, this is such good stuff. And again, uh, if you're on our Facebook page, I will have all the links to these four blogs, a blog post that that Michael has written on resilience so that you can dive deep into this stuff. It's all it's all there's some good theory. There's some good science. There's real practical. uh, And we know you'll enjoy that. So hopefully these these have been little primers for you on the topic of resilience. And next week we'll be back. We're going to have a question from one of our listeners, from one of you. So, Michael, thank you, as always. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. And we'll be back next time, the Wonder Parenting Podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.